Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is on the show with me like he is always. And Eric, I'm going to have to apologize to you ahead of time. I've been fighting a cold like you know all week and uh, kind of hopped up on medicine. So we might get some interesting takes, might get some 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 hot takes, uh, but there also might be an occasional cough or two. Well, I'm, I'm hoping for some really weird things from Matt, because Matt, you're usually fairly straight-laced, so I'm hoping we get going off on some really bizarre tangents during this podcast, <laughs> because that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. I think the audience is ready for it, so let's go. Maybe this is, becomes a new thing where you just take some cough syrup right before you jump on, and, and we just kind of play a Russian roulette with whatever you say. Oh, I don't know if I want to go down that far. <laughs> Things got real deep real quick. I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but yeah, let's, let, let's go where we, uh, where the medicine takes us, I guess. Um, we got a good show on, on today. We're going to talk some wide receiver injuries. Seems like this has just been, uh, a regular revolving topic, uh, just kind of rotating names into this theme for Oregon during fall camp. We're going to also talk about, um, the shift in focus going from fall camp to Auburn. Uh, we're also going to look at some position uh, battles that are still waging on right now that haven't been quite decided and quite honestly probably won't be until just before kickoff uh, it, down in Dallas. And do we need, we need to clarify this, Eric? Is Do we refer to this as Dallas? Do we refer to this as Arlington? Or what is the official name uh, of, of this game or location of this game that we need to talk about because I've heard mo- I've heard different answers for everything. I'm I'm just using the GoDucks official page here, which has the schedule pulled up, and it says August 31st, Saturday, Auburn in Arlington, Texas. So I'm going I'm going with Arlington. I know it's one of those confusing things. It's sort of similar to you know when you when Oregon plays at Stanford, is that Palo Alto, California, or is that Stanford, California? Uh, sometimes it's confusing and stuff, but I think if we say Dallas, people know where it's at, and I think if we say Arlington, people probably know what we're talking about. But yeah, it's sort of strange to have to uh, to clarify the exact city we're in, and having never been in either city, it's hard for me to differentiate exactly uh, what those are like either. So, <laughs> ex- by the way, excited to make my first trip to Texas. Oh, maybe we'll bump into each other like you suggested. Yeah, it might happen. We, we might we might run into each other down there a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> All right, let's let's go into this receiver stuff. Um, obviously the bigger, the biggest news of probably all of fall camp is that freshman wide receiver Micah Pittman's now out for an expected six to eight weeks. Um, his return, you know, it, it, maybe it happens a little bit earlier than that. Maybe it happens a little bit later than that, but overall just a deflating injury for a position that couldn't really sustain any really deflating news, right? Yeah, and we talked on the podcast on Monday prior to having official uh, word on, on kind of the duration of the injury, and, and we kind of speculated it could be significant. We didn't want to jump in and say anything, and, and now that it comes out, this is close to worst-case scenario, I think. Obviously, it could have been like a season-ending thing, um, but six to eight weeks is rough. It, you know, And from when the injury happened, if you go six weeks out from that, that lands you – uh, on that Stanford game, uh, maybe that's when he comes back. It's worth noting that after Stanford, there's a bye week, so maybe it's that California home game on October 5th where he makes his debut, probably shooting for one of those two, or maybe it's the week week after that against Colorado, um, which is also a home game for Oregon. But yeah, I mean, this is this is really significant stuff here because 
I mean, we ran a story over the weekend, and, and Matt last week was asking basically every player who'd been the most impressive player in camp, and, and Mike I'd, I'd say 80% people mentioned Micah's name. I mean, I asked two or three people that question. I think all of them mentioned Micah first. So this is really significant. This is a player who, you know, you don't want to hype up a true freshman and, and his impact too much going into it and because you just don't know how he's going to play when you throw the bright lights on. But I think this is – one of the one of the guys you really couldn't or really didn't want to lose for this game, especially with just the you know the obvious issues at wide receiver. So yeah, ducks down three wide receivers for sure for the opener uh, because Brennan Schooler and J.R. Waters have also both been deemed out for I think at least a month with with yep. broken with with foot injuries. I don't want to say broken for J.R. because I don't know if he got that confirmed, but uh, that's three down and and now you're looking at the depth chart kind of reshaping and. Uh, and, and we should mention that Lance Willhoit still seems to be kind of working through a hamstring injury and Jawan Johnson, and this is new if you haven't, you know, if the last thing you listened to was our previous podcast, this is new information. If you've been following along on, on the internet or, or reading content at Duck Territory, which I encourage you to do, uh, <laughs> uh, then you probably know that Jawan Johnson is, is, has uh, been dealing with a calf issue or, or a lower leg issue that we saw him exit Tuesday's practice. We didn't see him at Wednesday's practice. Thursday, he was seen leading practice with his right calf area kind of uh, wearing some sort of tape or a bandage down there to kind of keep that probably, uh, you know, healed as best as possible. But it looked like he did do some stuff on Thursday. So that's a positive indication. And uh, But, yeah, this is a position group now where there's just uh, – it's it's not, certainly not ideal, you know. And, and it sounds like Juwan Johnson should play based upon what wide receivers coach Javon – uh, Bo Knight said earlier this week that, you know, if they played a game on this upcoming Saturday, being the 24th of August, that he'd be available. But yeah, it's a, it's a position group that is, is certainly, uh, gonna be very, very interesting to follow and, and, and probably not what you were hoping for if you're a Duck fan. Not probably, definitely not what you were hoping for if you're a Duck fan. And you don't want to read too much into just body language and whatnot, but we saw him come off the practice field on, on Thursday when Oregon was doing what looked like a walkthrough. Right. And boy, was he walking very, very gingerly. Yeah. Um, it, it was like he was trying not to step on like you're barefoot and you're, you're walking across concrete with, you know, some sawdust on it or something. Um, walking very, very gingerly. And you don't want to read too much into that. You know, we don't know if, how much he practiced or what he did or if he was full go or whatnot, but that's a scare. And. I think you let out a collective sigh of relief a little bit when Jovan Boatnight said that you know, he probably could go day one or, you know, if there was a game that Saturday he could play. Um, but now it's a, it's a point of this is still a big deal because, okay, you, you hold him out two or three practices, four practices. There's less than 10 practices before Oregon plays Auburn and you haven't been, you know, game planning for Auburn all fall camp. It's been a lot of repetition and self-improvement. And this is the nitty-gritty stuff that that's going to, you know, help decide a victory. And he's not out there. And on top of that, that's one less body that you have running at the receiver position where, yeah, there's walk-ons and whatnot, but, you know, your chemistry isn't going to be as good with those guys. And, it could get, you know, the throwing chemistry with Herbert off with, you know, throwing new pieces into the new guys into the rotation. But you've only got five or six healthy receivers and you just can't, you need more than that in, 
in in practice alone to be able to do all the, the drills and and things that you want to do, or else you you run the risk of running those receivers into the. You know, and, and I think one thing that sort of we should say is is it sounds like Jawan Johnson would play, but is he close to 100 percent? And when you're going against a secondary like Auburn, which, uh, you know, they've got some some incredible speed there, especially at the cornerback position. Like if Jawan Johnson is, you know, a step slow, is he going to be able to create separation against those guys on the outside? I mean, that becomes to me a pretty big concern of uh, can he get open? You know, and if he can't get open, that's, you know, how, how valuable can he really be? Can he, is he just going to be someone they use in, in the red zone? And if he's not going to be someone you can use for, you know, the majority of the plays very effectively, that means you're relying a lot on some really young guys, you know, Brian Addison and Josh Delgado. And I think JJ Tucker probably being the three guys that you'd, you'd probably throw out there. Maybe Lance Willhoit is ready to go. Um, but we're not, I mean, that's sort of speculative too. And is he, is he close to a hundred percent, you know, even if he, if he is able to play. So yeah, it's a position group where boy, it, it, it was the one position group coming into camp that we were probably most concerned about. And it's because of these, you know, just, I can't think of a time in my mind recently that leading into the opening week where a position group had been hammered this hard by injuries. I mean, we're talking like half the guys at the position group are dealing with something and we haven't even started the season. So it is a major concern. And, and my big concern would be if, if you can't get receivers open and you can't pass the ball effectively, Auburn has an incredible defensive line. They're going to stack the box and that makes running the football really challenging and if you can't run the football or pass the football very effectively you're probably not going to win the football game so uh this is certainly not ideal and i don't know if i'm being a little over dramatic by saying my concerns about the receiving group uh kind of make me kind of question oregon's ability to win this game but that certainly is something that i'm dealing with going like boy if 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 johnson is a step slow and will hoyt's maybe not 100 percent, and then you're relying on a core of johnny johnson jalen red brian addison jj tucker and isaiah crocker and Josh Delgado, uh, basically only a couple of those guys have really played football, like period, at this level. What what's the the prediction right now? You think for the receivers that we see that line up for for snap for Oregon this season? Well, if if we're assuming Jawan Johnson is healthy and is playing yes, in that let's game, let's assume that. Uh, then I, I think he starts out wide and I think Johnny Johnson starts opposite out wide and I think Jalen Red in the slot and I would feel like that. I feel pretty good about if Juwan Johnson is healthy, I feel pretty strong about that prediction just because that's kind of been the group that since Micah Pittman and Schooler have gone down have been running with the ones the most. Um, I think Brian Addison is probably the only other guy I think has a strong chance of maybe fitting in a role, you know, of maybe breaking into that group. Maybe he pushes Juwan who's Missing some practice, maybe Brian Addison takes advantage of, of those, you know, mispractices for, for Johnson and really steps up and, and proves he's ready and, and he comes out and starts the game. But I, I think, I think the three I mentioned first feel to me like the most realistic possibility. And, uh, this is probably going to be a thing where when the depth chart comes out on Monday, there are probably going to be quite a few ors is my guess, just because there remain, I think, some question marks with that group. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's going to be a lot of ors on the first depth chart. That's released by Oregon and that's expected to be released Monday. There's, it's kind of a, you know, usually when you have a quarterback battle, sometimes that allows, you know, the release to be sent out on like today, like the 23rd of August, which is a Friday or that Saturday or that Sunday leading up to that first week, full week of 
game week. Um, but Oregon doesn't typically, typically, Oregon doesn't have a, a quarterback battle, obviously. Uh, it'd be a concern if there was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so they, you know, when that usually happens for a case, the school usually will just release their first depth chart, um, the Monday of week one because, hey, a QB1 battle is sexy as hell and, uh, generates a lot of interest. And when there's not one, you don't really have to do it. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of, um, ors on that depth chart. I would, I would agree with the guys that you said. Um, or I think we might just see two hmm. receivers. Um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Oregon goes a lot of double tight in this Auburn game and then just in this season in general and, and plays with two tight ends, especially if McCormick and Breland are both healthy. Yeah, that last part is the part that is probably being overlooked a little bit right now, which is that McCormick, from what we've seen, at least when we watch practice, like basically has been limited all fall, and Breland has now been limited for, gosh, I don't know, a couple weeks. I mean, they haven't had both those guys out that are together at all so far, so that becomes a concern too. I mean, and then I think you feel decent about Ryan Bay and Hunter Campmore's ability to block, but those guys are pretty unproven pass catchers. So if, yeah, you'd like to have one or both of those other tight ends back, and the indication from Cristobal all all, all throughout fall has been that they will be available, um, but we just haven't seen it yet. And I think that's the part where it's we're now getting into you know Auburn game week. You know we're we're a couple of days from that, and if we get you know I'm not sure what our availability next week will be for practice, but if we get out there on Tuesday and Wednesday and those guys are still kind of limited and off to the side, then to me that starts to become boy like what if these guys aren't available either. Right, uh, and then you're starting, you know, Ryan Bay and Cantmore. I'm not trying to be critical of those two guys, but those guys don't have the, anywhere near the experience uh, that the other two have, uh, and, and so that would be, I think, a pretty, again, it, certainly not an optimal situation to work into where, where Herbert's top weapons in the passing game are, are largely out. So again, that's worst case scenario. We, that, that's that's also very speculative, but I think that has to be something you're aware of if you're an Oregon fan of. It's not just the receivers that are dinged up. It's also the tight end position. And the, and the funny thing is, or not funny, but the, the interesting thing is there's not really any other injuries on the whole team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's basically just like four or five wide receivers, a couple tight ends, and then everybody else has been healthy pretty much the last couple of weeks. And so I'm sure, you know, you, you feel really good about the other positions in terms of the health aspect of it, but it's, it's just kind of strange how it's developed that it's kind of just one group of, of guys that are, are out right now, and, and that's that's really concerning as as you know as game week comes up. Game prep has now started to shift a little bit towards Auburn, and we anticipate that it will fully move over uh, to f- just strictly preparing for Auburn on Sunday when Oregon has uh, their first practice of game week. Um, Oregon typically always practices on Sundays. Mondays is their day off, but I believe this week. Uh, that might be a little bit different. I'm not sure. Um, but typically they, the Ducks have a, have a Sunday practice, a Monday off practice, get back out there on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then they play the game on Saturday. Um, I would anticipate Oregon doesn't practice on Saturday, the 24th, uh, but we'll find that out later this week. Um, but game prep has now moved over, and it, it's starting, you know, Oregon coaches have said that they're starting to, you know, 
do a little bit more here and there every single day to get themselves ready uh, for this Auburn game because, quite frankly, this is a huge game for a lot of different layers of Oregon football. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think it started the week with with them saying uh, defensive coaches saying basically it's been it was fifty fifty split between working on Oregon stuff and then fifty percent working on Auburn. Um, and my sense is that that number on the Auburn side continued to grow throughout the week. And you know, yeah. we talked to we talked to players on Thursday, and and it was very clear that this was basically Auburn prep week already, and that they were very focused in on Auburn and. Diamondale Lenore said that the energy and kind of the uh, excitement from the team had taken a step up because they knew that their first game basically since last December was, uh, you know, is, is, is so close now is coming up. And, and I think we should mention uh, one thing here just in terms of preparing for, for Auburn is that they've announced a new starting quarterback and it's a true freshman in Bo Nix who was right. the number, number one rated dual threat quarterback uh, in last year's recruiting class. And so, it's going to be really interesting to see. That's another added element for Oregon because you don't have a real scouting report on, on this guy. You know, you can go look at high school film, and, and this is something we'll probably talk to coaches about and kind of how they're preparing for uh, a, a player who, again, doesn't have any D1 tape to look at, really. I mean, you can probably look at the spring game, and you can look at his high school stuff, but that's about as far as you can go. So that's another added element of, A, it's not a bad thing to play a, a, a true freshman quarterback in his first college game on a huge stage. Maybe he struggles and, and there's a bunch of turnovers. Deion Lenore said he was hoping to give Knicks his welcome to college football moment with a, with a pick six or something. But there's also the possibility that he's just really, really good. I mean, the players who are five star recruits rated, you know, in the top 25 nationally, the number one at their position, uh, are, are obviously highly capable players. And it sounds like he's been incredibly impressive. Uh, in fall camp, obviously winning the job over Joey Gatewood, another guy who was a, I don't know if he was a five star, but he was pretty close a couple of years ago. So this is a talented quarterback and I think it's going to be, you know, one thing, uh, that will be really interesting to kind of follow in the lead up to the game and then, you know, a week from now on Saturday to see just how he performs and what impact that has and kind of the outcome. Yeah, I'm going to be curious. How, how do you prepare for a player that, that there's, you know, of, that has this much hands-on duties to running the offense. I mean, there's no player more important than the quarterback. Right. I mean, he dictates everything. So how do you prepare for a quarterback where there's literally no game film? Like, yeah. you, you you can go and watch high school stuff, but is that really, like, going to translate over to what Auburn's doing? That's a that's a question I don't have an answer for, and frankly, probably one will pose to Cristobal well, you're, I was going to say later today, but we're going to, we'll probably have some answers to this, you know, from Cristobal and then coaches and players next week because I agree. I, I think that's one of the big things that's really interesting is, is just how, how do you prepare for a guy like this? Uh, he, you, you don't have really film of him even, we should mention working in Auburn's offense. Uh, you know, right. I'm, I might be wrong here. Maybe he was running a very similar offense in high school and, and you could, and that kind of stuff translates, but there's just a lot of questions, you know, and that adds an added, you know, an added element of it. And we should mention, I don't think Gatewood had played very much either. So either way, you kind of knew you were facing a new quarterback. You didn't have a lot of, in, you know, information on. But uh, it certainly is going to be something to keep an eye on. And, and, again, I think it could go one of two ways. I think he could come out and be absolute dynamite. And you go, shoot, that, like Oregon just happened to play against a guy who's going to really become, 
really good and maybe he's a Heisman candidate in a couple of years, or he's going to, you know, really struggle and Oregon's going to take advantage of that. And this is a game where even though Oregon's receivers are dinged up, that the defense makes, you know, forces two or three turnovers. Maybe they score a touchdown like Lenore was trying to kind of predict or, or say he'd like to do in the game. And that totally shifts the balance in the game. And Oregon's able to kind of, again, even without much of a passing attack or, or a limited one, and uh, is able to still win the game. So I think that that the whole that element is is so interesting to see how that's going to play out, and, and kind of a thing I'm really curious to, to probably one of the things at the top of my list that I'm most interested to see in that opener. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back after our sponsors, we'll uh, dive into some position battles that are probably still to be figured out. Uh, over the next couple of days of fall camp. So we'll be right back from a word from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Brain. Eric Scopel is with me like always. And uh, before we teased, we teased it, uh, some position battles. Um, I think there's a couple that still need to be figured out, still playing out because it's just that close and, Quite honestly, Eric, I think some of these, we might not know who wins until that position group hits out onto the field against Auburn. Yeah, you know, we're expecting that depth chart to come out in a couple of days, but I think there are a couple spots where that top line, that first string, there could be an or between two players still. I, I mean, you know, and I'll start defensively because that's been kind of what Here, I primarily... Here, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, oh. I want to I wanna cut you off for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Over, under. Oh, okay. 15 oars. No, 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 that's too high. That's high. 10, 10 oars on the two deep. That's a good number. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say under. I think defensively, from my perspective, there are enough guys that it's pretty clear cut. Like, I think the whole front seven, besides maybe the defensive end spot that Drayton Carlberg and Austin Follier are kind of battling for, I think the whole front seven feels pretty locked in. I think the two corner spots are pretty locked in. And I think Javon Holland is pretty locked in. But there are some guys in the second teams there that are interesting. And the couple position battles in the secondary that that I was going to mention uh, are also spots where I could see there being a couple of oars at. But, yeah, I think 10 feels – I'm going to say it's closer to like eight. Eight oars on the two deep, but I don't know. I mean, like, what do you think? I mean, it, I wouldn't I be shocked at all if it's like – I think we're going to three oars at tight end. That's true. I mean, and there, and, and we could see some major oars. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be, I'll, this is <laughs> so funny. Major oars. Yeah. Well, we're going, apparently we're, this is like a nautical, uh, podcast now talking about, <laughs> but 
I'll, I'll be, I'll be, but I think one thing that will be interesting, this is going to probably be a position battle thing, but like, how, what do they do on the offensive line on that right side? Like, is it Calvin oh, Throck? Yeah. Calvin, that could, that could be the real thing where it's like Calvin Throckmorton or Dallas Wormack at right guard, Calvin Throckmorton or Brady Ayala at right tackle. So maybe, maybe I'm under, maybe, maybe it should be over and maybe it is going to be over because there, there are enough spots where it, it could just be weird, weird enough. But I, I do think it's going to be like eight or nine, probably not, not over 10, but it, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it's like 14 either. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge, especially with some of these true freshmen who we've been really impressed with in fall camp and, Kind of gauging where those guys, you know, end up on on that depth chart. It's gonna be. I'm gonna take over. Yeah. Okay. I'll take the under. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the over. You'll take the under. Uh, all right. Now let's go back uh, to some Pacific position battles. Uh, you were gonna go first. Uh, I think you were gonna go defensive secondary. Yeah, and there there are a couple there, but I'll start with. I think that that safety spot between Brady Breeze and Nick Pickett remains up for grabs from everything we've heard. Uh, Keith Hayward was asked point blank about that. I think on. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, just about, do, do, do you know, when, when do you have to have a depth chart for that? When do you have to make a decision on that? And he basically said, I mean, that it, we've got two guys who are still playing really good football, and it's too close to call. So I think that remains probably the one defensively that you go, that's that's going to be the most interesting one. And look, I wouldn't be shocked at all if on Monday there's still an or between Brady Breeze and Nick Pickett. And I wouldn't be shocked if that continues even up into the game and maybe Obviously, they have to pick one starter, but I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys rotate a lot. Maybe different packages or different situations. Breeze comes in, maybe you know, and then Pickett comes in for a different situation, and, and we kind of see that play out throughout the first game. And, and after that, you know, you've got Nevada and Montana at home, and those are games where you could probably play both those guys a lot too. So I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if that position battle is one that kind of wages into almost Pac-12 play where you're still jockeying between the two guys just because it, it sounds like for all intents and purposes that it's almost, it, it's it's really a very, very tight battle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And and I think the Brady Breeze development is the story here is because yeah. Nick Pickett's kind of – he's been an off-again starter his first two years. I think, I'm trying to look at what his – uh, He started 12 games last year. Yeah, he, start, he started 12 he, he, games for Oregon last year, and as a true freshman – I can't remember if did he start a lot as a true freshman. I think he started like three games. I'm gonna pull it up really quick. But yeah, I think he I think he's got like 15 career starts. One second here, I'll get it. Yeah, he started 12 last year and three yeah. uh, and three in 2017. So yeah, he's yeah, he so, started I mean, 15 games. So this is a guy that's you know got a starting position, and you know even before he his first year as a starter, you know he started a handful of games as well and. Breeze has kind of, you know, just slowly developed and turned himself into a really good player. And maybe it's, you know, maybe Breeze is helped out by the scheme change with Andy Avalos and maybe the scheme change has, has hurt Nick Pickett a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just me speculating. Uh, Br- 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 I should say Breeze has said the scheme change has, has been huge for him in, in terms of the responsibilities. This is the kind of football he likes to play, which is he's going to be up in the box making tackles more. So, and I don't know. Pickett hasn't been made available for interviews, so I don't, we haven't really found out how it's impacted him, but for Breeze, I can, I can say pretty definitively that he's felt like Avalos' defense has been a good thing for him. And the thing with Breeze is also, remember last year, or maybe it was two years ago, they even played him at linebacker some. It was last year, yeah. Yeah, at the very end of the year when the injuries happened and, you know, depth was out of, you know, whack because they just got decimated by injuries, Breeze came up a level and played the linebacker spot. So, you know, that makes sense if he's, you know, if he's a more of a hitter, more of, you know, coming up into the 
the second level of the defense, then, you know, that makes sense why he's, he's climbed up the depth chart. But I think that speaks highly of A, the coaches and, you know, the development that they are able to show with players and B, just Breeze putting in the work, uh, to get himself back even with Nick Pickett to make things interesting. On the offensive side of the football, another position battle is, I said it's tight end and I, I think, as a tight end can have a couple oars, and I think, you know, this is one where there's just going to be a lot of uncertainty and a lot of, uh, because of who's available, and then a lot of uncertainty because who's, you know, who's playing well. Um, I think Jacob Reland is healthy as the starter, but what happens if Cam McCormick is full go this week and practices all of the game week, uh, leading up to Auburn? And then how do you, you know, figure out who lands where with Ryan Bay and Hunter Camp Moyer. And then, you know, you've got a couple other freshmen and redshirt freshman Spencer Webb and true freshman Patrick Herbert. Um, where do they fit into the mix? I know Patrick is running with the scout team. So I think that might be a sign there, but Spencer is not with the, with the scout team and he's even taking reps at receiver. So, yeah. um, you know, they're planning on him playing. It, it looks like, uh, so I, th- I think tied end of just kind of, where the hierarchy falls with that group is going to be really interesting. I'm going to make kind of a hot take prediction. I'm going to I'm going to predict that Ryan Bay starts the first game at tight end. I, okay. I just, you know, and, and I, I think I wouldn't be shocked. You mentioned it earlier. Maybe they do go a little double tight end to start the game, and we see that a lot. But I I just think he has been. He's probably gotten more first team reps than any tight end all fall. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Because I mean, because just because Breland has has been out for a while, and McCormick hasn't been available basically at all so far. Um. I get a sense his veteran presence is going to be something they're going to lean upon a little bit there. And he is already known to be a very good blocker. I spoke with him last week, and he said he's really improving as a pass receiver as well, as well as Hunter Cantmore, who we should mention, if you didn't read the story, he's cut down over 25 pounds since spring to try to get a little bit more uh, fleet of foot, a little bit more athletic. So he's somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Obviously, he is not really known as a pass receiver. He's a converted defensive end. He's a guy who's known to be a really good blocker, but... I, I might, for some reason, I have a sense that what Bay will be, will be the, you know, starting there, and I think he'll be on that top line along with, I wouldn't be surprised if it is three oars on that top line with Bay, Breland, and McCormick, just based upon the health stuff. Uh, another position I think we've talked a lot about, um, but it, it needs to be said again and repeated again is the offensive line and just how does, Alex Maribel, Oregon's offensive line coach, Mario Cristobal, obviously the head coach. What are the five guys that they pick to be the starters for Oregon day one or game one of the 2019 football season? I think it's safe to say that Jake Hansen's at center, Shane Lemieux's at left guard, Calvin Throckmorton is starting, just don't know where. Um, Penny Sewell is probably the lock, you know, a fourth lock to start, but You've kind of got options after that. You could go Dallas Warmack at right guard, who's a senior. You could go Brady Aiello, who's a, a right tackle, who's a senior. You could throw in a Stephen Jones, who's a sophomore, who could play guard or tackle on the right side. Uh, you also could throw in Alex Forsythe, the sophomore that's you know really come on this season in fall camp, and um, coaches are very high on him and his potential. He can play any position, according to Alex Mirabel. Uh, we've also got. Um, Malasala Awamave Lo. I think I said that correctly. If not, I apologize. I will never learn. (laughs) But Sala is, you know, a a highly rated junior college transfer and 
you know, he's, he's gotten reps. George Moore is a senior. Jonah Tawanu is another freshman. That's, you know, they've got a ton of options and, and Maribel said that, that they feel very confident in playing eight guys and they're close to having a ninth join that group and just, he said it's not, you know, your right tackle goes down. It's not just slotting in the second, you know, second string right tackle. It's figuring out who are your five best offensive linemen, regardless of position, and then putting them where they fit best. And that's kind of where things are at. And I think that's a really good thing that tells you just how deep this offensive line is when you bring back all five starters and there isn't one guy that's, you know, there's maybe two or three guys that you can definitely say, according to Maribel, that they're a starter. Everyone else is kind of up in the air. I think it's an important philosophical kind of element here because it's really clear and Mirabal and Cristobal have kind of said it over and over this fall of we're, yeah, we're looking for our best five, not our best right tackle because they're going out right now and basically cross training everybody at every spot so that, you know, if, if somebody goes down at one spot, they just go, okay, this is our, our best guy. You know, this is our, our sixth best guy. This is our sixth starter. He fills in there. Um, obviously I think with, if someone like Jake Hansen were to go down, Calvin Throckmorton is the logical move over there. But I think at guard and tackle, they're basically trying to set it up so that if, you know, I'll knock on wood here because injuries happen, but if one of those guys does go down, that they just go, okay, rather than being like, okay, who's our second best right tackle? It's who's our sixth guy? Who's our, who's our next man up? And they just plug him in there. So that's something that's kind of interesting. And, and I think for a lot of these younger guys who, who aren't necessarily going to see the field, uh, immediately, it, it'll be interesting to see how that pays dividends down the line of next year when there's going to be, you know, four positions that are open, you know, and there's four senior starters, regardless of who even wins the right guard or right tackle spot, um, that are going to be, that are going to be leaving after the season. And it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, you know, that, that kind of plays out with how they've gone about, I guess, just cross training everybody, making sure everybody's comfortable at all the different positions. Is there another one that's, that's there defensively for you? Yeah, I think the, the other one would be that nickel corner spot. And, uh, this one's more difficult to gauge in part because we haven't really seen them run through a first and second string defense since I think Wednesday of last week. So over probably eight or nine days. Um, and the last time we saw them, Hockey Woods was this, was the first string nickel corner. Uh, but Verona Kinley had been the first string for most of fall prior to that. And he'd been the, 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 the guy all of spring. And then you throw in Jamal Hill, who, who's also seen first team reps and a lot of second team reps and who looked really, really good the first couple weeks. We haven't heard a ton of them since he was, he missed about four or five practices with an injury and haven't heard quite as much since. But that's a position where I, I do think you're going to see at least one or two oars. I think you're going to see three guys listed at that position on the depth chart. And we should mention, just from a defensive perspective, I'll be curious to see how many quote unquote starters they list. I mean, is it, it do you list 12 starters because you also have that Sam outside linebacker? Yeah, I think they will. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think they will. Um, I think that it's going to be a weird depth chart because you're going to go like, oh, they're going to get a penalty every play, if, but they play 12 guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, that, that's probably the other one. Uh, and I don't, I would probably maybe lean Hockey Woods just based upon what we've heard recently, but like that's pretty speculative and we haven't really seen their defense come out and, and I don't, I don't think we're going to see that again in practice. So it's, you know, whatever the depth chart we see on Monday is that's going to be kind of, we'll take that with, that's what it is. And again, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's still a Hockey Woods or Verone McKinley on the top line and then Jamal Hill's the second string or if it's uh, any combination of that. I think that one is also still firmly up for grabs. So I, I think again, I think that, 
the front seven, you pretty you got a pretty good clear idea of what the top line looks like. You got a pretty good idea of the starters. I think the secondary, you've got a couple more questions, and and I think it's a good thing because you're looking at guys that are are pretty talented competing for spots. Well, Eric, I think we've we've gone through kind of all of Oregon for fall camp, kind of what position battles I'm leaning through, and hey. Game week is almost officially here, and, you know, less than a week, you and I are going to be traveling to Dallas. We'll be hanging out in Arlington, Texas, I should say, uh, covering Oregon at Auburn, or at Auburn, Oregon versus Auburn in Arlington at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Start of the 2019 football year. Big year for Oregon football, big year for DuckTerritory.com. For anyone out there, I really just hope you guys check us out. Continue to listen to the podcast. Give us reviews. Uh, it's going to be an exciting football season. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. I can't wait. And, and I should say, I'm actually staying in Dallas, not Arlington. So that adds more confusion to the whole thing. <laughs> I'm staying in Arlington. We're in different spots. Uh, we're, we're, in different, we're in completely different cities. So maybe we won't bump into each other then. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to see you at, at all in the entire trip. <laughs> uh, for Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prame, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.